This is the final whistle on Ocean FM tonight. Ballymote's Pat Ruddy on a life writing about golf, talking about golf, designing golf courses and cycling from Ballymote to Ross's Point to play golf in the 1950s as a kid. A 20-year-old whiz kid, James Claridge from England, won the centenary west of Ireland this week. But for all the undoubted quality on show, local golf fans still seem to hanker for a return to the traditional last 64 match play format we'll discuss with tournament director Enda Lonergan. We've Sligo under 20 men's Gaelic football manager Paul Henry on another impressive win and Connacht final. And for the Leitrim senior women's team, it's National League final weekend as Johnny Garrity's side take on Antrim at Parnell Park. Welcome to the programme. This is Austin O'Callaghan and we're on 083 3500 530 by WhatsApp and by text. Sport at oceanfm.ie is the email address and you'll find us on Twitter right now at oceanfmsport. But first, Connacht Motor Club has this evening announced it's postponing the planned family open day event in the Sligo Park Hotel this Sunday as a mark of respect to Irish rally driver Craig Breen who was killed today in an accident during a pre-test event in Croatia. His team, Hyundai Motorsport, confirmed the news in a statement this afternoon. Breen's co-driver, James Fulton, was unhurt in the incident, which happened shortly after 11 o'clock this morning. Breen, who was 33 years of age and from Waterford, was generally regarded as the country's leading rally driver, having competed in multiple World Rally Championships. Sligo Navigator Niall Burns competed against him just last season. Other shock to be honest, Austin. and um, obviously I got a text earlier on there today, and I, I just couldn't believe it. And then obviously you go on social media, then and the posts just keep coming up, and it's just hits home, you know. And it's it's just tragic. Like and he talked through with Craig's family there, you know, and uh, obviously James Fulton's co-driver who was in the car with him at the time too. And it's just hard to get the head around. That's the news we're hearing, but. You know, just again, it just reminds us like how, you know, dangerous the sport is that we do and it's just hard to put it into words, you know. The motorsport community is spread across the globe, but it is a tight-knit community, particularly the Irish dimension to it. Oh, exactly. Like, I think, you know, anyone involved in motorsport, especially Ryan Ireland, like, it's been this last, you know, um, Craig was such a, a big figure for Irish rallying, you know, like he, you know, he's one of our boys in the WRC and I think every person here was fully behind him, you know, this year with Hyundai and again, like, you know, you always see him, Craig, at the events, like he only took part in the West Cork rally a couple of weekends ago there in the Sierra, he was just so passionate about Irish rallying as well and like they're just Monday there just by, he was up helping Junior 1000 drivers with some testing up in Galway there for the Morse Academy and you know, like his whole life revolved around and he's so passionate about Irish rallying too and, you know, I think we're all feeling this loss deeply, you know. We know motorsport comes with its risks, but even when something like this happens, it does take a lot of getting used to. No, no, it definitely does. Like, you know, it does kind of ring home to us, you know, about the risks involved and, like, you know, Craig would have lost his co-driver, Gareth Roberts, in 2012 in a rally accident too and, you know, I don't think Craig got enough respect for how much how he had to dig deep as well to kind of come back from that and get himself to the level he's at now as well. And you know, um, no, like it, it it does bring home all the dangers of the sport and stuff like that too. Definitely. You knew Craig, uh, Craig from your circus trips and around the place. You you'd have come into contact. And as a navigator, 
I gather you know James Fulton, his co-driver, particularly well. He, thankfully, was unhurt uh, in today's incident in Croatia. Yeah, obviously, um, I would have been doing the British Championship back in 2010 when Craig was there. And, um, you know, you would have crossed paths over the years, like in Irish rallies and events abroad. And obviously, um, Johnny Greer, myself and Craig and Paul Nega had a big battle on the Kearney Historic Rally there last year. And, you know, it's it's memories like that, you know, you're going to have there, like the chat in between the stages and stuff like that and the laughs and the joking, you know, it's all kind of things that you're just you're really going to cherish now. And, yeah, um, obviously me, I know James quite well and thankfully he's unharmed in the incident and um, just, you know, I can't imagine like what James is going through too and again, just thoughts and prayers both to them all at this time, you know. Well, that's for sure. And it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say finally, Niall, that whatever about, not ranking rally drivers, but certainly he's arguably the, been the highest profile rally driver to come out of Ireland in recent years. Would that be fair to say? Without a shadow of a doubt, like, and I think if you, the passion Craig had for the sport and the effort he put in and the work he put in, like, the man deserves to be where he was, you know, like, I, I don't think there's any man working harder, and I've worked with engineers before that have worked with Craig as well, and he says they've never seen anyone as driven and as hard working as Craig, like, you know, he deserved to be where he was, he had the talent to be where he was, you know, he showed speed in Sweden there to start of the year with second, and like, there was wins to come this year, and I think... It's just tragic, you know, we never get to see him actually win a WRC event because there was no doubt in any of our minds it was going to happen. And, um, you know, it's just a really, really good, talented driver. And just unfortunately, his, his life's just been cut tragically short, you know. That's Ligo co-driver Niall Burns on the late Craig Breen, who has died today in Croatia at the age of 33. And to remind you, as a mark of respect, this Sunday's Connacht Motor Club family-friendly open day at the Sligo Park Hotel is being postponed until a later date. There it is! Final whistle! Sligo are in their second consecutive under-20 final. They have beaten Mayo in Mayo they beat Roscommon in Roscommon last weekend. If they're going to win Connacht, they're going to have to beat Galway in Galway. If you're going to do it, do it right, Con, I suppose. 17 points to 1-9. 100%. And there's so many people, when they would have heard the draw, would have sighed and says, oh my goodness, away to Roscommon, away to Mayo. But that doesn't phase these boys. You know, from underage, you know, with the county, from their schools, Colin, with yourself and attractors and sighting Summer Hill as well, these players don't know uh, how to stand back and we saw that today really with Canis Mulligan when he's on the ball in the middle of the field we just look fantastic he's a real Lamborghini of a player you know he can catch ball he can carry ball yeah and the Lamborghinis can start revving up now for Tume Stadium and Galway next Wednesday evening that was Connemara and Colin McGee describing the conclusion of Sligo's 17 points to 1-9 Connacht under 20 semi-final win over Mayo and Bacon yesterday evening which sees them back in the provincial decider once again Next Wednesday against Galway, the Sligo under-20 side is managed by Paul Henry of Curry. These lads have worked really, really hard for this and uh, I'm very, very proud of every one of them, the, the shift they put in today. Um, tough conditions, but it just shows no matter what, what shows up to them, they'll, they'll give it a go and, and fair play to them, they deserve to get into a kind of final now. Yeah, really tough conditions there, extremely blustery, a few showers there as well. 17 points, that's some scoring in those conditions. Great score and look at it, and nice and nice to see a good spread of scores across through the players today as well. Um, 
Luke Marin, I suppose, last week got us through through Roscommon with his with his ten points, and today uh, a number of lads stood up and, and, and took scores at vital times in the game. Um, I suppose when when any stage of Mio like looked to come back at us there, different stages we ended up getting up the field and, and taking uh, taking our score, and it, it just kept him at arm's length for, for quite a bit of the game. So um, definitely the goal early on rocked us a little bit, and then another sucker blow. So it's something that we're going to have to work on and make sure that we can't give away them them goals again. It, it, it happened just last week against Roscommon, but overall overall um, we're delighted. Was, was how the lads performed today and and I mentioned there you mentioned uh, performance and players and panel James Donlan missed today Ronan Island came in and thought it did very well as well and the lads who came in off the bench as well they all added something to it as well yeah uh, I suppose poor James ended up uh, pulling up with a hamstring injury on, on, a, on Monday night which um, I suppose was a uh, not, not the nicest way to end the session on a Monday night coming and leading into a, a big game like this but um, I suppose I keep telling these lads that, that there's a large panel here for a reason and uh, every one of them has put in a, a huge work since, since we pulled the panel together and um, today Ronan Knighting came in and, and, and done a job for us and uh, we were delighted with that so um, look we know going forward they, the, the forwards are going to be needed as well again and these games and when they came on as well today they, they worked really really hard and, and seen out the game for us so we're, we're very proud of them so Roscommon away, Mayo away, Galway away next in the Connacht final, seven days out. How are we, how are we feeling about that one? Um, I suppose we're getting used to being on the road now at this stage. We've had quite, uh, quite a number of our challenge games away as well. So um, going out of Sligo isn't, isn't really um, bothering us at this stage. Um, I suppose all we need to do is, is show up again next next Wednesday in, in Tume and, and put in a performance and, and give it everything we've got. And if that's good enough, we'll end up... We'll end up uh, with a win. Um, Galway are going to be a, a serious, serious squad and, and a team, and we're going to have to fight really, really hard. But um, look, I know these these lads will, will, will give everything they have, and if that's if that's enough, hopefully we will be uh, bringing back the the Sligo, the kind of title Sligo again. That's Sligo Under-20 Football Manager Paul Henry speaking to Colin McGee and next Wednesday's Connors Under-20 Decider between Sligo, who are the holders, and Galway will be live here on Ocean FM from Tume Stadium next Wednesday. Throw-in is at half past six. This Sunday is Division 4 National League Final Sunday for Leitrim's Women's Gaelic Footballers. They're taking on Antrim at Parnell Park in Dublin, having come through their group section and the semi-final of Division 4. Here's the Leitrim manager, Johnny Garrity, on how he'll be getting his team to treat Sunday's decider as just another game. It's a case of trying to stay focused on the on the little things that make a performance. And when I say make a performance, I mean that maximises your chance of winning the match. So that's what we're concentrating on. Obviously, we know it's, um, it's not just another match and it is a final. And with that comes possibly a little bit more expectation, a little bit more pressure. But... Um, we don't need to add to that so we try to reduce it to the performance on the day During the group stages of Division 4 Leitrim looked the high scoring team in Group B Antrim looked the high scoring team in Group A is this going to be a battle of the forward divisions do you think? Um, it'll go a long way I'm sure but that would be um, quite reductive in terms of um, ignoring the, the talent in both, ta- both teams' uh, defences so uh, it's, it's difficult to say. The game will take a life of its own, I'm sure. Um, we know that we've got forwards that can hurt teams. We certainly um, appreciate and respect that Antrim have got likewise. And uh, and we both know that there's good defenders on each team. So I suppose it, it, it could come down to who can handle the other team's forwards uh, most efficiently. And um, hopefully we can do that on the day. 
Do you pay any heed to recent history? And what I mean by that is Leitrim have been trying very hard to climb out of this Division 4. They've gotten very close. They've been denied in a final two years ago, extra time 12 months ago against Offaly. I'm sure you're you're tired of hearing of these sort of reminders. Can you use that as ammunition at all? I don't think I need to add to the desire within the group or the motivation within the group. It's there. It's evident. It was evident from the day I stepped in. So it's not something that we've spoke about at great length. Um, I'm conscious that, you know, the girls have been through a couple of difficult uh, days uh, in the last number of years uh, with regards to the league where they've been uh, disappointed in in a final and a semi-final. So, yeah, we're conscious of that. We we spoke about that, um, but not in terms of trying to motivate them, more in terms of trying to keep them focused on the job that's, that's at hand because, you know, those games from previous years are, are not going to have a bearing on, on winning or losing 2023 and it's a case of letting that go. Obviously, the, the Gears are, have got a great deal of motivation from those defeats and we can use that and we can use their desire to win but um, uh, no we don't need to dredge up the past as a case of staying focused and staying present Does the team for the final largely pick itself or do you and Dermot have a few tight calls to make? We've got a lot of uh, tight calls you know and I think I can't overstate that it doesn't pick itself in terms of um, you know having 15 players that are light years ahead of the rest. It just simply isn't the case. What I would say is that the the application of training, the effect of the bench that Gerrits are having uh, makes the decision very, very difficult. So uh, there, there's going to be, undoubtedly, there's going to be numerous disappointed Gerrits not to start, but those are the same players that may have a huge impact on the game finishing it. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a squad game and... I'm sure that the the focus will be there from the the finishers as well as the the starters who go out to try to give us a platform to build from. And from your experience, finally playing or managing Ulster teams in the past, Johnny, you'll have a fair sense of the fire and brimstone that Antrim are going to bring to Sunday's final. Yeah, look, probably within my time managing for Mana, I play um, or managed against this particular team more than any other, uh, if I'm being honest. We played them five times in my first year there, including in a Division Four final. So um, we're really well aware of, of their upwards trajectory over the course of the last four or five years. We know a lot of their players. Um, we know a lot of their, their character as well. Um, I've got a lot of respect for them. Uh, I have to say, you know, they're... they're there's some really honest players there that um, you know have, have ability and probably acted as the 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 sort of base level on which they've built from uh, in this last number of years, where young girls have come in and, and done really well. So they're an interesting team. They're on an upwards curve, certainly looking at the All Ireland final last year. Um, you know, as I say, they're one that we we respect. We know that they're going to bring high intensity. We know they're going to bring uh, loads of legs around the middle. And they've, in Orla Pranter, um they've got a, a a real top tier forward. And that's not to uh, ignore some of the rest of them either. So it's going to be a tough one. There's no question about that. But we're as ready as we can be. We're we're as 
motivated as we can be and we're very, very determined to put our best foot forward on the day and hopefully that'll be enough for us. That's Leitrim Women's Manager Johnny Garrity speaking to the final whistle ahead of Sunday's Division 4 League Final. And remember, unlike the Men's National League, only one team gets promotion from Division 4. So it really is winner takes all this Sunday at Parnell Park in Dublin. Throw-ins at 2 o'clock and the match will be live and full here on Ocean FM with commentary from Maeve Quinn and Ray Lannan. The day before, the Division 2 Women's League Final between Arma and Leash will be refereed by Sligo match official Gus Chapman. That's on Saturday afternoon. Well, next to golf and the centenary Connolly's Audi West of Ireland Championship, which drew to a close at County Sligo Golf Club on Tuesday. There was any amount of wind and rain. At one stage on Sunday, play was stopped because high winds were moving the golf balls on the greens. But in the midst of the gusting winds, the hail and the rain, one young Englishman stood rock solid from start to finish. This is a putt. He's got a putt, a 22-foot putt, to win the Connolly Audi Centenary West of Ireland Championship 2023. It's on the way, it's tracking nicely. Ooh, and he just misses on the right, but that's stone dead. That's a gimme. Barry says pick it up. Barry now has a putt. Gives him the putt. So Barry now has the putt to keep this match alive. Remember, if this putt goes in, we go up 14. If this putt does not go in, it is match over here on the 13th. And uh Barry has about maybe 21 foot slightly shorter than what James had. It's downhill, slightly right to left, slightly right to left, downhill. But this will not be short because it doesn't matter. A three is of no use to him here. He has to get a two, but there is a an atmosphere here of just, you know, it looks like James is our champion as Barry stands over it. He's not going to give up. He's going to give this everything. He's going to try and get this in the hole. This will not be short. He sends it on its way. He looks at it. It's not short. It sits. It's... Oh, and he's just right. And that is it. We have our champion. We have our centenary champion. We have the... I'm going to try and get over here quickly with James. We're going to try and be first as Anya... Anya turns around and she says... As Aaron Edwards Hill makes his way out... Aaron <laughs> pours water it made absolutely no difference Aaron Edwards out with a bucket of water pouring it over his face but it made absolutely no difference to him Carol, Captain Carol Demel congratulating him there Alon George President uh, Pat Forkin congratulating the, the here we are James Clarge from Enville in Birmingham the 2023 Connolly's Audi centenary champion you must be absolutely you've played unbelievable golf from the day you came here and you're certainly a worthy champion you've got George Ash your caddy who's caddied twice in the British Open but not in conditions like this three majors now three majors now is right how do you feel James yeah uh, obviously happy to win Uh, nice to get the double as well the stroke play and the match play Um, yeah delighted can't wait to get dry to be honest but uh, no especially being the centenary 
um, yeah, it's pretty good. So one of the one of the uh, uh, w- w- when we spoke earlier in the week, there was parts of your game that you weren't happy with. You rang your coach, you had a long conversation with them. Just remind us again what your coach told you to do. You've stuck to that. Just tell us exactly what your coach said to you. You just say keep keep it simple, you know, like I did at the end of last year. Played some pretty solid golf. Um, sure, drive a bit in the first round, just nudge the ball back a little bit. Um, yeah, and then it was just like if I can get the putter hot, and it has been hot. It seems to be like last week and this week, obviously two wins in a row. So yeah, just just the confidence more than anything, because it's it's you know it's pretty simple. You know, I said the other day in an interview that it's a snowball effect, and when you play well, you get on a bit of a hot roll, and when you play bad, you don't. But I mean, luckily it's going the right way. At the your, your your golf today was was relentless. Uh, you come up against a very tough opponent in Barry, but. I don't think there's many uh, could have put up with the with the with the play that you had today in really and truly unbelievably difficult conditions. At what stage did you think you know what I've got a real chance here? I don't know. I've been playing playing pretty solid all week, um, and actually probably a pinpoint part was probably the up and down on two. I mean, I got up and down on one hard nice putt, but the up and down on two in the wind when it went in, um, hit at two putted four, um, birdied five. Um, the shot into six was a good one, I think, and then the shot into seven straight after was kind of, yeah, was a nice one as well. So probably around that point, six, seven. It's one little final word from you. At the start of this tournament, you were sixty-six to one. You weren't happy with that. Was that inspiration to bring you to be the Connolly's Audi Centenary West of Ireland champion? Um, probably. I think more. Robbie Fitzpatrick's uh, little talk at dinner at the Driftwood might have done it as well. The meal for two did the trick. That's new West of Ireland golf champion James Claridge from Birmingham. He was impressive both in the stroke play and the match play series of this year's Centenary West and a deserved winner. But I mentioned too for the runner-up this year, it was a local golfer, County Sligo's Barry Anderson. He lost the final 6-5 and five, but had an excellent week of golf to reach the final. He was champion of the West six years ago and reached the final again in 2023. Well, the quality of the field overall drew warm praise this week but amongst the local golf supporters the conversation around the best format for the West continues. Now locals will tell you many of them prefer the traditional Sunday last 64 match play stage which offers terrific spectator value but in recent seasons the players themselves have expressed a preference for more stroke play golf which is why we have had three days of stroke play competition followed by two days of match play for the past two years of the West that format is now up for review. So might there be any tweaks or changes next year? That's a question I put to the tournament director, Enda Lonergan, who was officiating at his 25th West of Ireland this week. The reason we have a different format now is because we have listened to player feedback and, you know, taken on board their requirements particularly in relation to the way that the RNA have moved more wagger orientated than handicap index orientated for events. So obviously us having it as a 54-hole stroke play benefits the players in that term. We did enter a two-year commitment. It's a two-year trial. This is year two. We tweaked it a little bit this year um, because of, I suppose, issues around number of players withdrawing from the third round last year and also, I guess, to bring back a little bit of excitement on yeah. the Sunday evening. We, ha- we we will potentially have a, a playoff for players tied 16 to make that top 16 this evening. Um, hopefully we have enough daylight to do it yeah. if, if that happens. But look, we, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it as well. But we do, you know, it's a two-year trial. 
I'm not going to predict what, what it might be of next course. year. Of course. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm asking for a prediction. Yeah. I suppose I'm, I'm going to ask you the question I ask you maybe every year we meet and talk. And, uh, you know, th- there's probably a, a spectator brigade here in the Northwest who loved the Sunday afternoon, last 64 match play. That was kind of the signature day for the, for the West. A lot of people here would say anecdotally they miss that. Now, I know it's not about pleasing the fans per se, you know, you've got to yeah. please... The, the, I, but, but, I miss it as well, Aston, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, it, it's very much uh, part of the lore of the place. Um, you know, the calendar for these elite players has changed significantly in the last couple of years. Again, it's benefiting towards Wagger is is, is taking a lead of it. Uh, but again, the player feedback is a big, strong component for it. I do personally think, not... I'm not giving a Golf Ireland view mm. here now. I'm just giving my own mm. personal view. I think there is scope uh, for us to return to 64 because um, with the calendar now, so many championships gone to stroke play. The north of Ireland has gone to stroke play. It would really only be ourselves and the south left. And okay. the south have retained their 64. We, we're at a two-year trial. It's very likely we have a very good collaboration here with the club. Uh, partnership is really strong and we understand each other's needs and I'm very respectful of them and we would be very respectful of County Sligo's members, their spectator brigade as you call them um, you know, and if that's the strong wish of County Sligo Golf Club it would be very difficult us, for us as an organisation at Golf Ireland level to make an argument to go against that That's West of Ireland Tournament Director Enda Lonergan speaking to Ocean FM Sport on Sunday last. Well, we heard from the new West of Ireland centenary winner, James Claridge, a little earlier. The West of Ireland trophy wasn't the only silverware he received at the prize-giving ceremony on Tuesday. He was also presented with a new trophy, the Pat Ruddy Cup, presented to the leading scorer after the West's first three rounds of stroke play for the first time this year. Claridge was top of the leaderboard at that stage in the competition as well, so he takes home both trophies. But it's named after a very famous name in Irish golf. Pat Ruddy was born in Mayo but grew up in Ballymote in County Sligo and spent many of his formative years cycling from Ballymote to Ross's Point to play golf at County Sligo. Much of his life since then has revolved around golf as a journalist and writer, as a golf course designer. The European Club is one such course he designed. He's been the owner of it as well. And on Tuesday last, Pat was invited by County Sligo Golf Club to the West of Ireland presentation ceremony to present the new cup to the leading stroke play golfer. And in this special interview afterwards, Pat talks about how he has fallen in love with the sport of golf growing up in Ballymote in County Sligo. The fact that my uh, parents played and grandparents and uh, that you could play it on your own. You didn't have to find a team. Uh, so I could go down to the... Uh, in Ballymote we had... Uh, three golf courses where I was a boy because they, they uh, closed down lack of money and I saw golf courses being built but there were times when there's no golf course and I could go down to the local football pitch and hit balls spend hours hitting balls and you had to hit them into the goldmouths where it was worn would that be Corrin Park? Them. that's right and if you didn't hit it into the goldmouths you lost your ball because the grass out, out the pitch was six inches long and um, I, I think I had a solitary streak in me. I, I could commune with uh, myself and with nature and thoughts. And uh, always did and always do 
get it straight out of a ball when it flies a bit. Yeah, so that's it. It's just started and grew and grew. Then my dad used to come down here to Ross's Point with some of his friends and they'd bring me in the back of the car and I'd either get into the game with them if they didn't have a four ball or I'd go out and play on my own. And of course, if I was in love playing with, with the game, playing in a football pitch, getting out on Ross's Point was just a different thing altogether. And uh, I used to cycle down here 20 miles and uh, I had a dear friend who's here today actually, Tom Martin, his father was a bank manager. And Tom uh, said to me, we'll cycle down to Ross's. If the old guys ain't going, we'll cycle. And, and tell, got, tell me about how you did that, because back then the roads would be a lot different from Ballymore to Sligo than yeah. they are today. What, what, what years are we talking about here? We're talking about uh, 1951, 52, 53. Uh, the roads are okay. The road from Dublin to Sligo was okay. Go off the main road and you're in trouble. And uh, they had the tower had just arrived. And there's very little traffic. So um, uh, Tom taught me how to get up in the morning. The uh, first morning we did this. Uh, stones, pebbles on the window at 6am, get up ready and he got me out of the bed and away we came, we come down we bring a ham sandwich and a bar of chocolate and we play 37, 38 40 holes, cycle home and couldn't wait to get back down the next day And would you bring your golf clubs with you or did yeah. you keep them here? Uh, see, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want a big set of clubs, it's, it's one of the uh, funny things about the game that uh, there's so many clubs involved. Uh, but you can play a perfectly satisfactory game with seven or eight clubs. We tie them to the crossbar of the bike and go on, yeah. I was just going to ask, because carrying golf clubs on a 20-mile cycling journey from Ballymore to Sligo takes a bit of coordination. Yeah, when you're young, when you're young, uh, nothing is impossible. And then uh, you go on through life then, and uh, the same attitude persists. Uh, if you want to do it, just do it. Don't be waiting for someone to do it for you. So, was it those early formative years where you looked at the sport of golf and said to yourself, this is what I want to spend most of my life doing, or at least being around it? Uh, largely so, but like all young people, I wavered this way and that. Uh, but um, I, I, I um, studied for the priesthood for a short while because uh, I want to save all those poor devils who were going to be condemned to hell because they weren't a Catholic. And, uh, but I gave that up because of the three G's, uh, bad grub, uh, no golf and bad, uh, no part of those things called girls, you see. <laughs> so then um, uh, later on I was teaching uh, school out here in, in, uh, and, and um, after a few months I got uh, excited about New Guinea. The headhunters in New Guinea, I read about them. The passionate thing came up in me again, you know. Uh, you weren't a man out there that said, unless you had 30 or 40 skulls in the corner. So I said, Jesus, I've got to go out and sort out those boys. So I was teaching in school in Drummer here, and the priest of the time, I came out the other day, he, he uh, gave me a letter saying, best man he ever met, best teacher, did great for the parish and good luck. But he didn't give me any money, just a nice good luck letter. And I was going off to save the guys in New Guinea, and I got up as far as Castlery, and I met my wife. I was headhunted myself, and from there on, it was basically golf. Huh? Very good. And in terms of what you, how you've been involved in golf, I mean, what were you like as a player yourself, first of all? Oh, modest. I could hit the ball okay, uh, but I, 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 um, 
nervous disposition if I got within uh, firing distance of the line and um, but loved it intensely good enough to play well everyone was good enough to play then in the championships didn't have to be plus six or anything like that did you play in the west of Ireland I did yeah with great lack of distinction and uh, but loved to try and loved to play in the south of Ireland it was a great one because it was a shorter golf course where you could make some birdies and um, but just I, I knew I didn't have it when it got to it you know that, uh, but I had enough to love it and that's uh, that's the biggest reward in having life have an occupation that you can love so beyond your playing of golf you got, in go- you got involved in golf in other ways yeah um, I, I started as a golf writer I said uh, I know how to spell and I can buy a typewriter which fell off the uh, rack in the bus the first day I went out so I had to get a replacement but I got a typewriter and I got working and I did freelance work uh, to magazines all over the world South Africa, Australia and everything and I want to get my name out there and uh, they were very kind to me when Gary Player won his first Open in 58 I did 24 pages in uh, South African Golf magazine. He came and visited me the other day. He still has that magazine. But I did that without being there. I was a gangster enough from the old Sligo to uh, gather all the newspapers and rewrite things. And I became famous in South Africa for one month. Then uh, I I, uh, went into um, the independent newspapers. I was going to get married in 69. I went into the Independent a few years earlier for um, security and uh, I just lasted there until 71 when I retired in 71. Uh, it's a good way to go to have retired. And uh, Tony O'Reilly bought the paper and he was okay and they were nice to me. But I left. And I, it was a, a move that moved me into the jungle because in 72, inflation hit. For the first time since World War I, inflation hit. The cost of things started to go up. And I started a magazine of my own called The Golfer's Companion. The first year I did quite nicely. Second year I did the same, but not so nicely because the costs had gone up. And I said to an accountant, what's going on? He said inflation. I thought that was something that happened to the wheel of a bicycle, but uh, the costs were going up and I had to run to stay still then for a few years. And then I got opportunities to um, do course design. I did my first course in 1970 down in Castle Cormor in Kilkenny. And I've been at that ever since, writing golf and uh, promoting golf and doing golf courses. And do you enjoy designing courses? Do you get a thrill? Oh, I love out of it. Them? I love it. Uh, I did a book there a couple of years ago called Holes in My Head. Because uh, quite literally, um, if I waken up at night uh, thinking golf holes, the one you're building at the moment, the one you built last year, the ones you can build in the future, it's really a remarkable blessing that if you're a kid, if you like going to the seaside and building uh, sandcastles, Uh, To do it on a grand scale and get paid, it's pretty good. It sure is. Of all the golf courses in your life that you've either designed or helped design, is there one hole in your mind, when you think about the holes in your head, that stands out that you're most proud of? Is there one hole on one course? No, no, no. I'd be be, uh, very hard-pressed on that, you see, because um, if I was a judge in the Miss World competition, 
when it gets to the last 10,000 I'm beaten <laughs> they're all goddamn drop dead beautiful huh? so I'm like that the golf holes ditto huh? okay. but I have a lot of them I never never saw a golf hole I didn't like you should be on the stage. You, you're a natural raconteur, you know that? I don't know, I don't know. But uh, the thing is, don't be afraid to express your thoughts. And uh, some people think it's okay, some think it's not. And thank God, it's a big world. If they don't like what you're saying, they can listen to someone else. You retain a special connection with County Sligo Golf Club to this day. You're an honorary member here. Do you get the same enjoyment out of golf today from watching it, whether it's in person or on television, as you did all those years ago? Oh, yeah, it, it never fades. You know, you have the uh, spectacular aspects of the golf course and the different people who are playing. And um, it, 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 I have a, in, in one of my books uh, an essay done about uh, golf being more difficult than chess. Uh, now, chess is a game played on 64 square board where you're drinking a brandy and smoking a cigar indoors. But after one move each, there are 700 bunkers ahead. Two moves each, there's, there, it's like the lotto. There are almost 5,000 problems coming at you. And it's quite amazing it explodes. Because there, see, there aren't 64 numbers in, in lotto. Uh, you have, after three moves, there are 9 million problems ahead. And how the hell they play it, I don't know. Then you get outdoors to the golf course, there are more elements. And you're outdoors and you have to be physically fit enough. So it's an impossible game. So it's great fun watching people. Once, uh, every now and again, people are inspired and get through the entire course unscathed. Uh, but it's interesting watching for the collapse and watching the brilliance of the guys who do it, but also watching the poor son of a gun who thinks he has it, and boom. Okay. That's part of the thrill of being part of this game, isn't it? Ah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're mostly nice people um, uh, that, that, that uh, you meet. And um, the, the, the only people who are not so nice are those who uh, haven't just got their act together mentally and say, I am who I am, I better be happy doing what I'm doing because I'm never going to be much good. But you're really good if you're getting fun out of it. You don't have to be a great champion, but you, you've got goodness in golf if you know how to enjoy it. Is it nice to have a cup named after you here at the West of Ireland in its centenary year? Uh, well, it's, it's um, uh, a big shock uh, because um, I was here as a boy and at other clubs and seeing the glass cases and they're all for old guys. Not for guys like me, you see. I'm only playing golf in the ninth decade so far, so I'm not old. And um, so to, to um, see a club, any club, uh, do this is awesome. And, um, but of course you'll be dead and gone, but it's nice to think the name would be there. And um, it, it's... it's um, just a, tra a pity that uh, all the people I knew who were dead uh, weren't here to see it. In your speech here to the crowd at the presentation ceremony before you presented the Pat Ruddy Cup to the new West of Ireland champion James Claridge from England, you made a reference to the previous champions and yes. the numbers you've had interactions with since this championship began a century yes. ago. Yes, I, I, I've uh, interacted with... Uh, the winners of 92 stagings, 93 now. And uh, Godfrey Union of Ireland was founded in 1894. And I've uh, interviewed and talked with and been friends of um, 
all but six of the presidents of that body. You know, it helps a lot that some of them used to serve for two or three or four years. But it's, it's that sort of game. If, if when you get into it young, you know, in your early teens, and you meet people who are in their 80s, and you move on to your 80s, uh, you spend a lot of time. Like you put uh, 24 or so men of 80 together nose to tail, and you're back to the year of our Lord. It, it is, it, life is a funny thing that way. Am I allowed to ask finally what age you are? Pardon? Am I allowed to ask what age you the, are? The clue is that I'm in a ninth decade golfing, not age. And we're only two years into this uh, decade. And uh, I, I hold my cards close besides. Uh, but I started golf as a young person, very young, in 1948. So to be golfing in the ninth decade is it, one I use on the Americans when they come to golf with us. And I tell them this, and they go, ooh, ooh, and I say, now, don't do me, because I'm fed up with you guys, because I'm just home after spending two years in bed with the nurses. <laughs> <laughs> that gets them going up the fairway, you see. And uh, uh, so I, I'm very happy. I hope to get a good few years yet. Yeah. Well, Pat Ruddy, it's lovely to hear some of your own golfing memories, and I think yeah. you've quite a few more new ones to create yet from listening to you. Well, hopefully, and uh, Sligo Abu, I mean to say, uh, it's outlandishly lovely in every way. The people I never, when I was a boy, in Ballymore, little kid, I was told by my parents, everyone you meet on the street, whether he's a farmer or anything he is, he's Mr. So I've met an awful lot of lovely Misters and a lot of lovely Misses in Sligo. And God love them all. Pat Ruddy, thank you. Thank you so much. The great Pat Ruddy speaking to Ocean of M Sport at the prize-giving ceremony for this year's West of Ireland Championship and he's going strong in his early 90s presenting the inaugural Pat Ruddy Cup to the new champion, James Claridge, on Tuesday last. From County Sligo to Cache and Eastern Harps GA Club who are getting ready for the return of the popular Castle to Cave Camino which takes place this Saturday. This is a 34 kilometre walk starting from the Cache Clubhouse. It's going to take you up around the caves of Cache and then down into Ballinafad with stops along the way if you need them and all the way back to the Eastern Harps Clubhouse again. This is a club fundraiser for Eastern Harps and it was a big hit last year when first introduced. Ross Donovan is one of those helping organise this year's event. It's true our healthy club initiative um, within Eastern Harps. So, uh, last year, if I, if I go by last year, what it is, it's Castle the Cave Camino. So we start at the clubhouse in Cash and we work our way around around the caves Cash, and um, up and around the area and down into Balnafad. We do a loop around the lake um, and then we head back through to the clubhouse, but on a separate uh, a separate route home, we head down out of Balnafad and back towards the backside of Cash, I suppose, um, and we finish up in the clubhouse again. So it's a loop, um, 34 kilometres in total, which I suppose can seem a big number. But from last year, what we took from it was um, the range of people that took part, um, like all 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 ages that were eligible. Um, all abilities of activity as well, like whether they walked twice a week or five times a week, and they they all got through it. I think everyone completed the walk last year, um, which was great for for the walkers. Um, but what I took from last year was you, you can go at your own pace. So we had some people that took off 
first thing and my god they were home off quick I, I've done house I forget how quick they done it but they were they were back in the clubhouse before we ever expected anyone to complete it and then you had others there were stops along the way um, there was little tea breaks uh, water breaks along the way and people sat and took 10-15 minutes each break and um, some could be five kilometres, twelve kilometres. I forget the markers now, but they they made a great David and just brought a friend along the way, talked with them, had 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 a blast um, from last year anyway. And I, the reason I said I had a blast is today the day came came a cracker. We had sunshine, blue skies, and I think that really helped um, last year. So we we looking for the same again this year. And although you mentioned there, Ross, like, you know, uh, people can go at it at their own pace, they can run it, they can walk it, whatever they feel comfortable doing, but 34 kilometres certainly isn't for the faint-hearted. Yeah, no, and I'll just I'll just stress, ours is a walk, so we, we ask everyone to walk it. And with that, and that's why I say, you go at your own pace. If, if you do need to stop and rest, it's absolutely fine. We do have cars that follow through on the route if anyone needs a little lift, and and brought to the next station. That that's there as well. That option is there as well. But yeah, no, it, it's it's thirty four clouds. But like I said, last year the support we got around the community. Um, we had our couple stops in Balnafad. The cafe was there. Um, we we had a stop on the way. Um, before that, but we had so many of the local people that came out and set up stands outside their own houses. We didn't even expect them on the day. And and people just stopped, took their time. Um, as I said, whenever they felt like getting going again or got their second wind, they, they just took off. And like I said, um, you go at your own pace so you can, you can finish whatever time you want. And this is the second year of this event running for Eastern Harps, Ross. Obviously, you're hoping to make it a, a bit of an annual thing now. Yeah, for sure. Last year was, was our first year, so this is our second year. And yes, we hope to continue this on. Um, I mentioned before, it's through the Healthy Club Initiative. So look, it's all about just getting people out there, keep them active. And this this is just a novel idea of ours um, within the club to, to get people out, I suppose. Um, going back to last year, um, which we, we found it a, a massive success. Um, like the people that took part, the volunteers we got involved and the people that actually done the walk, uh, I touched on the day. The day, it was amazing. Like the, the preparation the day before, setting up routes, it it lashed, it bucketed it down on us. But the day of the Camino came came brilliant, and I think it, it really helped um, with the atmosphere on the day. So we'll definitely be looking forward to that again. Um, I should mention it's on the fifteenth of April, um, the fifteenth of April. So what is that now? It's Saturday. Um, so you can check it out. It's on Eventbrite. You can book the tickets on Eventbrite. Um, is it .ie um, to get your tickets? And on Eastern Harps um, Facebook page and social media, you'll see all the details there as well. That's fantastic, Ross. And obviously, it's been of great benefit to Eastern Harps as well, especially given the fact that you're running it for a second year. Yeah. No. Look, like I keep coming back to last year and such a success, and it was. Um, but it's something we want to do do annually. You know, get every year. As I say, you, you hear these caminos. There's some great caminos around the county, uh, the province, and just to keep them going. And you know, it, I suppose it's something different. You know, it's 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 something different for others that mightn't. Uh, you know, they mightn't be into cycling or other sports, but the camino is just another another way of getting active and getting out there. 
um, and we we find um, true it's true the healthy club initiative I too like, uh, I say on the committee they are always coming up with different ideas and ways to engage with the people around our community and beyond because we had some people last year and this year from ticket sales as well coming from all all around the country you know they're they're making a weekend of it and they're coming up um, and just making I suppose a weekend for them and taking the Camino on board. That's Eastern Harps Ross Donovan on the club's Castle to Cave Camino, which takes place this Saturday around the Cache Balnafad area. And if you'd like to be part of the walking troupe on Saturday, visit eventbrite.ie and search for Castle to the number two Cave Camino and you can buy your ticket for the event there as part of the Eastern Harps Club fundraiser. A reminder, we've got live commentary of Leitrim against Antrim in the Women's Division 4 League final this Sunday afternoon from 2 o'clock here on Ocean FM. And a reminder that this programme is available as a podcast each week on oceanfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts, just search for Ocean FM Ireland to find it. We're back with you next week, same time, same place.